speaking the word that opens up the glory of God to come. He said, go and preach the word. The kingdom of God is near then. So um, I'll be faithful in sharing the word with you. This morning it's titled, Your Purposed Portrait. And I had five other titles for it um, that sounded a lot better. A lot better. How you like that, English? That, that was better, but um, the meaning, the purpose portrait or your purpose portrait it is more um, appropriate. Because you can choose to say yes to God's purposes for your life or no. It takes purpose not only on his part, which he's already done his part, but on your part to say yes to him. So your purpose portrait is what we'll be talking about today. I want you to turn over to Jeremiah 29, 11. But I want to share with you, if in Ephesians chapter 2, it says that we are in the NLT, the New Living Translation. It says that you are God's masterpiece. You are. Not you will be. Not boy, if you do this, this, and this, and clean yourself up and say the right things and do the right things, you will be. It says you are God's masterpiece. And he says that he has created you anew in Christ Jesus. Listen, so you can do the things, not just the things, but the good things he prepared and planned for you long ago. We talked about this a little bit on Thursday night in our 101 class. That over and over again you'll see that God talks about that he's... Um, predestined he's purposed he has a plan right and some have even taken that so far as to say well we have no choice in the matter because God predestined those he wants to do what he wants and we just shrug our shoulders and hang on for the ride well that's just stupid I mean you try to line that up with the whole word and that's just stupid no it's not but just like a mother or a father when they're looking at their baby or even before the baby's born, still in the belly, starts dreaming and having plans for that baby, right? Oh, we are sending that baby not to U of M, but to MSU because we want the best for that baby. You know, that we're, we're going to set up that college fund. We're going to make sure that on that graduation day, we're, we're holding new keys to a new car for that child. You know, you just have all these plans, you know, and this is going to be the next president. This is going to be the one that just, you know, is the next, you know, whatever, Benny Hinn or, you know, you just, you have big dreams, right? For that baby. But then when that baby gets old enough, what does that baby do? chooses yeah that's right he or she chooses now they can choose to surrender to the plans and the purposes right and trust that you have something better in mind than what they can even see for themselves or they can do their own thing but that's the plans the purposes the predestination that God's talking about I have good things in mind and who knows better Come on. 
Who knows better, you or God? What's best for your life? That's right. I'm still preaching to one of our uh, boys that's still out there on his own. And he texts me just yesterday or the day before um, with a big sad face to hear those emojis. And I'm like, what are, you, what are you sad about? Put a smile on your face, you know? He's like, well, I'm a big failure. I keep screwing things up. I said, you want me to say it again? Who knows better, you or God? When are you ready to surrender to God? <laughs> you know? I, I kind of, after so many times, I kind of take away the flowery presentation of the message and just throw it out there. So uh, I'll try to be a little bit more compassionate with you this morning. Um, but he knows better. Even when you think you have it all together and you come to God with all your um, talents and skills and, you know, I've got this title and I've got this title and this title and God almost like we're saying, aren't you impressed? Look what I have to offer you and plug me in now to the body. And he goes, you know what? If you knock all that stuff off, I have a place for you. And it's over here. And you're like, what? But I, I can do this. I can do this. And he goes, you know what? Let that go. I mean, think about this. Me, the one growing up that hated people. I enjoyed hating people. I'm calling her as a pastor to love my sheep. The one who blacked out when I tried to give a speech to my high school class. For some reason, I was still standing, but I, I mean, I remember opening up my pages, blacked out, and then came to with everybody clapping 10, 20 pages later and walking away. Called me. Peter, the one disciple that's the roughest of rough, he called him to speak to the Jews, the religious leaders. Paul, the religious leader, the one that knew it all, right? He, he appointed him, let go of all that, I'm appointing you to speak to the Gentiles. Do you understand when we come and we think it's based on our talents or our abilities or our titles or what we can do? Look what we can do. Look what we can do. Then what is God needed in that? Your purpose portrait might not be anything like you think it is. As a matter of fact, you might have gotten your fingers in the paint and started drawing it yourself. Oh, look at this, God. Look at this. I'm you impressed. And he says, yeah, but you're purpose portrait I have already painted over here. You want to see it? Sometimes we got to strip away all the things that we think we are or who we think we are or think we can do and let those all lay at the feet of Jesus and surrender to him and say, you know, whatever you have for me, because in advance, in advance, purpose long ago, he created a portrait, a masterpiece of how he sees you. And our job, our responsibility, just surrender to it. And again, what he sees you, how he sees you, is usually completely different from how you see yourself. All right. In Jeremiah 29, 11, let me just kind of lay, lay a foundation here quickly. Um, because too many 
people have preached that, oh, you know, don't ever surrender to God because you're whatever you fear the most. That's what he's going to call you to. You know, well, that doesn't make sense either. I'll stop using the word stupid because Amy already left me because I probably said stupid. Um, he always has something better for you, better for you. He has, and like Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Listen, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. That actually means, and to restore to you your fortunes. The original fortunes that God had for you when he brings you back from captivity. Where's captivity in this? What we think. What we think. Our life, what we, how we see ourselves is actual captivity from what he wants for us. Because we, we know what we want. We know what we can do. We know he's like, it's like captivity. You're binding yourself to something other than what I've created you for. And we got to let that go. Hope, a future. So that you can do the good things he prepared for you long ago. Think about the declaration of Jesus' birth. When the angels came and started declaring the birth of Christ, what did, they say? what did they say to the shepherds? I bring you good news of great joy. A Savior's born. It's not just, hey, if you are interested. No, it's I bring you great news. Or good news of great joy. God wants nothing less for you than his best. He calls you his masterpiece. Yeah, one of a kind, unique. He's painted a picture of your purpose in life, your purpose portrait, and then gives you snapshots of it as promised throughout your life. You might see just this little spot of it or this little spot of it. It is a portrait of hope, good news, great joy. Each one is God's masterpiece, and he called it you. But again, let me remind you, it might not be how you see yourself. You know, back when um, Isaiah, who's my oldest son, Oldest son. It's not my oldest. My daughter reminds me of that all the time. My oldest son, he was six years old, and we got invited. The mothers got invited to his classroom for a mother's tea. And I wasn't, I mean, I was, you know, I was involved in ministry, but, you know, the backstage ministry, I didn't want anywhere around this because God was starting to reveal his plan to me. And I'm like, Ugh, in front of people. But anyway, um, so I didn't like being in the spotlight. I didn't like, you know, being out there. So I'm like, oh, going to his mother's tea. Well, I love Isaiah, so I'll go. And 
So I went and we're all sitting at their desk. The, the kids actually pulled the chairs out and let us sit at their desk, which is always awkward, you know. I'm short, you know, but you always feel like a giant in those classrooms. And sitting there and they all stood up. They're all wonderful. They made these special little um, cards for us. Um, well, let me say this. I, I never, I don't like my picture taken, still don't. But I've learned a trick over the years that when you um, act like you like your picture taken, the picture comes out a lot better than if you hide from the picture. So I've learned to over these years and being the object of a lot of um, people's pictures is that you just act like you're excited to take the picture. Well, back then when Isaiah was six years old, I was a little bit more fluffy than I am now. And so I really didn't like my picture taken. And, but it was a little bit harder to hide from the camera when you're, let's just say, a little bit more fluffy. But here we were, Mother's Tea, they called us in, sitting at his desk, and all the kids stood up, and they all got to read. They created these little sheets like this, and the teacher had made for each child, and they put these blank lines in there, and the child was, got to fill them in. So they were reading these about all the mothers. Did you have this slide, this first one up? They're all looking at me kind of funny. Karina, Denny. Okay. Um, we'll talk about that later. It says, my mother is the most wonderful mom in the whole world. She is, and he had to fill that out. She is 23 years old. I, I think he nailed that one, though. I think that was pretty close. And he nailed this next one, too. She weighs. She weighs. What teacher does that? But I was weighing 60 pounds at that time. 60 pounds, baby. But I was fluffy. Uh, her favorite food is cake. Hey, I only weigh 60 pounds. I can eat all the cake I want. She looks funny when she's in her PJs. She looks beautiful when she has a dress on. See, even he was after me back then to put a dress on, get out of my jeans. Um, and I liked, I liked to watch cartoons with my mom, which we still like to watch cartoons. And this was from Isaiah on May 11, 1997. I've kept it. It's wonderful. But on the back side of this, every child drew a picture of their mom. And so on one side, they still don't have the pictures up, so get out your binoculars here. Beautiful little creative stick figures of the moms, right? Lovely. And they, you know, came across from the front of the classroom. They're giving this. Here we all drew a picture of our moms. And I'm like, oh, where am I? Where, where am I? Where do you think I am? <laughs> Even from back there, you can see. To my horror, to my embarrassment, I'm the black blob there, takes up half the picture. Come on, think about this. 
Is that how I would have drawn myself? No, I mean, I would even have drawn myself here like this little guy. He's got a head and all legs. Yeah. No body at all. I wouldn't have drawn myself like that. But after how many years? 20? 21? Years later? This is one of my prized possessions. I love this portrait. Means more to me than a lot of other things. All those other pictures, we actually, when God was putting this message together in my heart, I'm like, I know exactly what illustration I need to use. And we pulled out this tub that, remember those printed things that, you know, come from these back, back then? It, you snap this thing like this and had to take this thing into a store and waited for these printed weird things to come back and they actually showed you what you snapped here, you know, camera, pictures. What's that? We had a whole, we have a whole tub of those pictures and we're looking through them and I'm like, none of those matter. Find me this. This is what I hold dear to my heart. Why? Because it's the way I would have drawn myself? No. But Isaiah drew it for me. And he drew it of me. You see, our purpose portrait might not be what you think it should look like with all your talents and all your titles, but it's what God has for you. And so I wanted to bring up this great big grand framed picture and I wanted to smear on the front of it this, this black stuff to where you couldn't see what's framed in behind it. And then throughout this message, just reveal little parts of it to you. Because that's your purpose portrait. He's not going to show you the whole thing all at once. Because to tell you the truth, you'll be wearing pampers more often than not if he was to show you. Right? Or you'd be like, I can't do that, I'm out. Right? Wash my hands, I'm done, I'm out. Forget it. That's not me. But he knows that about us and he just reveals little things. And he just erases just a little bit. Can you see this? Can you see this? Why? To give us a hope. To show us a future that's beyond us. See, your purpose portrait really isn't about you at all. God's purpose portrait of you is not a quick snapshot of your most embarrassing moment or even a terrifying glimpse of your worst fear. No, God's purpose portrait of you is one of hope, good news, and great joy for all. For all. For all who? Whoever. You don't know who the who's are in your who life. And you living in whoville. See, Christmas just comes out of me at times. You have no idea. You have no idea who God has purpose for you to touch. However, I was in the gas station yesterday, day before, I don't know. 
Stopped in there the other day, Friday. Ran into Shell gas station in Gron. Had to pick up hot dog buns. When, was just at a meeting in Traverse City, driving back home. So I was kind of dressed up. I mean, not much, but standing and got in line holding my hot dog buns. And the guy in front of me was, let's just say, was a, a hard worker. Looked like he was still in his work clothes, uh, kind of dirty hands. I saw his one hand down. You know, big guy you know, right in front of me. And he turned around, looked at me, and then turned around and looked at me again and was looking at my necklace. I had this um, purple necklace that Brian had picked out for me. Anyway, um, Macy's special or something years ago. And he started conversation. Oh, I love your necklace. And I said, oh, thank you. My husband picked that out for me. It's got good taste, doesn't it? Of course, I have good taste, too, because I picked him out, you know? You know how I am. I just kind of talk. And he's like, wonder what kind of jewel is that? Because one of them was a teardrop jewel in the middle. And I said, oh, honey, it's just it's a department store, you know, knockoff. It's, <laughs> it's nothing special. It's plastic. You can see through it, you know. He goes, no, it's very pretty. And so we started, you know, conversation, waiting in line. And he says, I make jewelry. And I said, oh, that's so cool. My dad makes jewelry too, you know. And he, you know, he just kind of messes fidgets with it. And he was telling me more about his jewelry. And then he's like, hey, you know, because the line opened up. He goes, you want to go before me? And I said, oh, my gosh, you're so sweet. Yes, I'll take that, you know. Again, a gift. I don't say no to him. And so I went ahead of him, but I'm still talking to him. And. He was telling me about Petoskey stones. He loves digging for, and I said, oh my gosh, my dad and mom do that too all the time. They just love that. He says, thank you for talking to me. And I went, what? He says, well, somebody like you talking to me. I said, oh, honey, you're so nice. You know, that's so sweet. Of course I'd talk to you. You're, you're, you, you know, you're nice to talk to. Um. And I remember when I turned, you know, to give her my money, he said, I like your tattoo, the back of my neck that says forgiven and the date that I was forgiven. I said, thank you very much. You know, and anyway, said goodbye to him. Left, jumped in my vehicle. Down the road, my heart started burning within me. I said, I just had a visitation. Because there was something about that simple talk that I stopped and paused for. That who knows, you know, if it wasn't a visitation, if it was just a man that for some reason, a simple conversation touched his heart. If it was Jesus or an angel, let me just tell you this. He liked my tattoo. Remember that one? But you don't know who you're going to touch. You have no idea. You don't know that the diaper you're changing back in the nursery is not the next Billy Graham. You have no idea, but your purposed portrait, even though this is what we want to think and believe, it's all about me. If you look at it, because that, you know, I wanted to make the, I wanted to, the port, but every picture I looked for, it's like, no, I don't want them to get distracted by that picture. Oh, I don't want them. I want your imagination to fill in the gap. And actually, more than that, let the imagination of heaven fill in the gaps to see your purposed portrait.
is more about everybody else that you're going to touch in your life and less about you and your Some elements of the picture cannot be changed by us. Other parts are detailed in by our level of cooperating with God. Now, this was a tough one. I kept erasing this one because I thought it would take me off into a thousand different you know, directions on what I, what I could say from this. That, you know, God works out for the good. Everything, right? For those who love him. Because the minute that I started putting this together, I'm thinking, well, Lord, because at first I wrote in there, every day then erases a little bit more of what was written about, right? And I thought, oh, great. Then, you know, 90% of my picture is going to be, you know, horrible things. I don't want to see that. But he works out everything for the good of those who love him. So some things that we think have marked their place in our portrait, God reworks. And now all of a sudden what I remembered as a horrible thing that happened in my past, God now sees as a, a beautiful addition to the portrait. And he will, he will rework those things. Well, how? I don't know. I don't care. He makes it happen. But some things he waits almost like they're not into focus yet. He waits and lets us cooperate with him and create that part of the portrait together. Uh, you ever seen the movie um, Back to the Future? I think it was the first one where he... Uh, little guy, he had that picture of the family, you know, and he kept looking at it. And, oh, no, you know, now so-and-so is gone out of this picture and we got to go and fix this. And so that, oh, yeah, now, you know, now everything's okay. It's kind of like that. Where our level of cooperation with God then clarifies or then really draws out that area in our picture. And this cooperating with God is unnerving to say the least <laughs> to think that heaven the holy courts are leaning in to you to do something that they seal with a yes and an amen what God's waiting on you and that cooperating with him in that creative uh, imagination where you start dreaming bigger than what you can see and start believing God for who he is and what he wants for you. And now all of a sudden you start stepping out into that and he's like, that's it. Start painting that. Go grab a brush. Start painting that. That's it. They're cooperating with heaven. They're dreaming big. Watch what's going to happen. Bill Johnson in his book, Dreaming with God, which if you haven't read that, you've got to read that. That's good. He says, the enemy wants to reduce us to a needs-only culture and not a creative people partnering with God. 
Yeah, I like that because think about that. If the only time you turn your face to God is because you need something. You can't, re you can't let go and let your creative juices flow. Because, well, I need this or I need that. I mean, it's like an artist standing at the easel and ready, has in his mind, oh, I can see this, and then looks around and says, well, I don't have any paint, I don't have any brush, I can't do anything. That's like, ask me for it, I've got it. You want to eat? I'll give you an easel. You want paint? I'll give you paint, here's a brush, do it, come on. But he wants to, the enemy wants to reduce us to a needs only. Look at yourself. What do you need? Look what you don't have. Boy, if you were like Amy, you could be a better mother. Boy, if, you know, you had, you know, so-and-so's money, you could do what you, you know. Needs only. He goes on to say, fear, anxiety, insecurities rob us from asking God for the impossible through us. Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. Well, So-and-so can do that. I can't do that. Goes on to say, and when we think inconsistent with how God thinks about us, it is a partnership with the demonic realm to plunder our creative destiny and robs us from our capacity to dream with God, to co-labor with him. I know that was a huge mouthful. When you start believing, thinking, inconsistent with how God thinks about you, then you've partnered with the demonic and it will rob you of all that creative partnership that God wants to have with you. Because, well, you believe you can't. How can he call me to preach to the Gentiles? Paul's probably thinking at first when I'm equipped and trained to speak in the religious synagogues to the religious leaders. He knew it all. He'd done it all. He said, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees, right? He'd do it all. Oh, now go talk to the Gentiles. What? Fear, insecurities, anxiety will rob you. So start creating with God. By only speaking or cooperating with God, sorry, by only speaking over yourself what God says about you. It's positive self-talk, let's call it that, okay? Don't let any words out of your mouth or any thoughts in your mind that are inconsistent with what God would say about you or think about you. Because otherwise, who are you partnering with? Mm-hmm. And then get your eyes off yourself and you'll start seeing the people God has directed you to. Get your eyes off yourself. Insecurity, fear, anxiety. It's all about me, 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 me. Right here, me. When you look past that, when you stop focusing on yourself, you can look past and see the people that God has for you to touch. It might be some stranger in the gas station line. It's kind of like you're driving a vehicle. You ever drove a vehicle kind of at, I think usually happens at, no, I've had it happen in the middle of the day. Sun shines just right and you're on your windshield and all of a sudden you can see your reflection in the windshield. 
Well, what would happen to me if all I did was stare at my reflection? As I'm driving the car going down the road and just kept staring at my own reflection. Hello. All right, come on. You'd crash. Stop doing that. Stop staring at who you think you are or are not and start looking past yourself and start looking at who God has in front of you and around you. Focus your intention, attention on seeing what God sees and not what you see. Staying single-minded. Again, the, the scripture is uh, 2 Corinthians 4. Fix your eyes. Fix your eyes. Not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. There's that purposed portrait. Stop looking at yourself. <laughs> Stop looking at the temporary things. Everything you see with your physical eyes are temporary. And start looking at the eternal things, the unseen things. God, what are you doing? What do you want me to say? Where are we going today? Do you know, I, I thought about this in pre-service prayer. In the Jewish culture, the day begins at night. Even in Genesis, the day began at night. When you go to bed at night, we say we finished our day. But for God, and you can search this on your own. It's hidden in there for you to search and find. He deposits things in us as we sleep that are too big for us to grasp or handle while we're awake. But he plants them in us so that they can start to blossom. When? At night while you're sleeping. At the beginning of the day. The first fruit of your day begins when you lay your head down on your bed. And you give it to God. I'm just tired. I'm going to sleep. Well, what if you looked at it differently? I'm laying down to begin my day, my first fruits, before God. Here I am, Lord, and I'll lay here for five, six, seven 10 hours, however some long some of you sleep. Me, I'm happy with five, six, seven, and ah, I hear angels choirs singing. What if you began your day at the Lord's feet in your dreams? Deposit. I, I shared this Wednesday night a couple weeks ago. I, I believe that Oh, I'm going to get in trouble. I, I believe that our spirit never sleeps. I believe that your spirit can do a whole lot of things while your body is sleeping. And so I give permission to my spirit to do whatever you want. And I'll, when I pray at night, I'm like, God, if you want to take me around the world and, you know, lay hands on people and pray for people, raise the dead, I'd even like that. Or preach wherever, whatever you want me to do in the middle of the night, go ahead and do. Right? 
I don't want him just sitting by the bed waiting for me to wake up. Come on, wake up, come on, wake up, right? <laughs> now you're all looking at me strange. There's times I've woke, I've woke up preaching. There's sometimes I've woke myself up in a sweat and knew that I just came from ministry somewhere. Just a couple days ago, I woke up. And do you ever have a thought that's like right here, but the minute you try to turn to it, it it's like it's gone? And you're like, something happened. What just happened? I remember setting up thinking, I just ministered somewhere. Where did I just, no, I wasn't, no, yesterday wasn't Sunday. Where, where was I ministering? And I kept even turning like, what, what was I doing? What was I doing yesterday? No, it wasn't yesterday. Yeah, today is, I think that was Wednesday. Like, whatever, and I'm getting ready, but I kept having that nagging thought that I was just ministering somewhere. And then I get a text from a friend. I didn't ask my friend's permission, so I won't say their name. That um, said, thank you for the advice. I'm like, hmm, what advice? So I even asked, oh, well, you're welcome, but what advice? And the friend said in the middle of the night when I was praying, I might get the story wrong, you came to me in my dream right at the exact time I needed, and you spoke a word of advice that was exactly that I, what I needed at that time. So thank you for the advice. And I went, bing! That's what I did last night. You understand that God wants to deposit within you these seeds that will multiply into this harvest of this masterpiece. But when you're so focused on you, 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 and what you can do and what you can't do or what you should do or what you shouldn't do, you're missing the big picture. And that cooperation, that partnership with the beyond, you can't even understand how big God's kingdom is. And how mysteriously unknown it is. I mean, Jesus even told his disciples, oh, I've got so much more to tell you. But every little thing I'm trying to tell you, I use a parable that relates back to what you can see so you can begin to understand it. And you're not even grasping that yet. How can I tell you about some of the things I have for you in the kingdom of heaven that has no comparison at all on this earth? How could you handle that? I don't like the fact that Jesus couldn't tell us more. Because we couldn't handle it. And I've got a creative mind. So I let myself go there sometimes. Because of that scripture. I'll get alone before God and say, just tell me. I just, just tell me. Show me some of those things that you couldn't tell us. Because there was no earthly comparison. Show me those things. When we start cooperating with him. Well, that's not possible. You can't do that. Well, there you've just limited yourself. I know I got to wrap up. Amy, you better come up. Bring the team up. I've already went way too long. And I told you this was just a five. I told my husband last night. I said, I only have a five-minute message. See if we can get through it in 50 minutes. Okay. So how can I begin to cooperate with God in fulfilling my purpose portrait? Simple. Obedience. 
Simple obedience. Well, but I, and what, what, uh, no, just obedience. Radical obedience paints a picture that only God can draw. Then it's not about you anymore. I mean, isn't that what we all want? Your eulogy, do you want it said of you? Well, Josie always did dress nice. Josie always had the right things to say at the right times. And, you know, Josie was a good person. And, you know, Josie knew how to cook a Thursday night meal. And Josie, you know, she took care of her household well. And... Do you want? I was one of those people Josie spoke into. And when she gave me that word of hope, I turned back to my husband that I had left. And our marriage was restored. And our kids came back home. I was one of those lives that Josie brought a meal to our home just when we had no more food in our house. And we were praying at an empty table. God, please provide. What do you want said? Do you want it to be all about you? Or do you want to lay down those things and allow God to paint the portrait of you? You know, in Revelations where it says that there's going to be a time where God wipes away every tear. I had a preacher that actually told me, well, that's because you're going to realize um, all the lost ones that are going to hell and you're going to cry. Me? I believe it's where that portrait's going to be revealed. This is what I have for you. This is the masterpiece I had created for you. But this is the one that you submitted to. And it's just going to be so less than. That's going to cause us to cry. Why didn't we believe bigger? Why didn't we dream bigger? Why didn't we obey more? Because if he's a God of great news, of a hope and a future, he wouldn't paint a bleakness of all the people that are going to hell because you didn't say. No, but a beautiful portrait that he painted of all the lies and all the things that he had purposed for you that you didn't believe you could do I can't do that how's he going to do that well it's only a seed it's only five dollars what's five dollars going to do what can I do we must be a people of purpose
That means every day living on purpose for this portrait that God has painted for us in advance long ago. I think we need to realign our, our focus. Like I said, realigning our focus, looking at what's unseen because that's what's eternal. That's what's going to last forever. Get our eyes on that. And like the encouragement that we read last week about the, remember the church in Ephesus that was a church with, that had huge love at first. But they had fallen from that first love. And he said, repent and start doing the things you did at first. Realign your focus. Repent if you need to. God, I'm sorry that I've been painting my own picture. Lay down all those titles. Lay down all those things that you think you are. Things that you think you're not. Lay them all down. And surrender to his picture. And start doing those things. Start believing and start walking out in it. Why? Because I'm focusing not on what I see, but what's unseen. That's what's going to last. We're going to transition into communion. And, and Amy's got a, just a great illustration for us to focus on communion time. But what I want us to do, and I'm going to turn it over and let her orchestrate uh, the communion time. But after she's done, 